following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Welcome to Hats, Tats, and Stats Podcast with your hosts, EZD, Derek Jaws, Big Diesel, Nick Yelich, T-Wave, Taylor Sekaturski, and Austin Kelm, the Stat Man. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Hats, Tats, and Stats. I am your host, EZD, Derek Jaws, and I am on a solo mission today because you know what? Sometimes life gets in the way and we just don't have time to get together and do this with more than one of us. But we are here, we are trucking along, and we are going through our week six recap and our week seven preview. First and foremost, this is a Buffalo centric podcast. We are all diehard bills fans here. And the one thing I can tell you is none of us are overly pleased with what happened on Monday night. Now, a couple things here, minor annoyances in the fact that one, anytime Pat Mahomes made a bad throw, which he did make a couple, it was the weather. Anytime Josh Allen did it, he was just inaccurate. Um, I do need Josh Allen to be more accurate than he was the other day, and I think we're going to see that turn around a little bit. I think we had a crazy couple weeks with a lot of uncertainty and a lot of things happening, and I don't think it voted well for us. Um, but looking back, I think you know we're you're, you're going to see Josh have bad games. You're going to see Josh have bad games the same way you see Aaron Rodgers have bad games and anybody else. Um, they all have bad games. It's going to happen. we got to move forward. The biggest issue in this game, and actually the last two weeks, has been our defense has been just porous, to say the least. Um, <clears throat> I've seen a lot of a lot of people out here calling for, you know, oh, we should have never got rid of Shaq Lawson or Jordan Phillips. And, you know, obviously we let Jordan Phillips go because we had, you know, bigger pieces we wanted to pay in the future. And one of the things that, I think what needs to be understood is when we let Jordan Phillips go, we didn't see Starla Tulier not playing this year. Um, that was something that nobody saw coming, and I think that was something that was very easy to let happen, knowing we still had a run-stuffing defensive tackle, and we had young guys that we had drafted that were going to help us um, on rookie deals, on rookie contracts. And that's not to say that guys like uh, Harrison Phillips and Ed Oliver have done spectacular because there is definitely something to be desired there. However, losing those two key parts in the interior line has definitely affected our pass our, our, our run defense last game. Something that was brought up to me from a, uh, a coworker that I was talking to about the game plan and the defensive scheme was if you you know if you look at the Chiefs as a whole, you look at that team and how they're built, how they're designed, they are built, to stretch the field, they're built to throw the ball all over the yard. And if you look at, at you know, statistically speaking, they didn't do that. You know, the game plan worked. You know, they they put up 26 points. You can make the argument that they, you know, the, that last touchdown came late for that, or the last score came late for them. Um, and realistically, holding that offense under 30 is impressive. You know, then you look at the other side of it and you say, okay. Um, you know they ran for almost 300 yards on us, and you know they're they're reti- you know they averaged I think between eight and ten yards a carry, and that's not really what you want. That's not how you want your defense to look. However, if you look at the game plan, I think we may have gone into this game with the game plan of we need to score 30, and if you you know if you do that, if you put the game on your offense, and the way we had where our offense was clicking throughout the start of the year. If we score 30, we win this football game with the way our defense played. And your, you know, your defense was put in place to, you know, nobody expected them to run half as much as they did. Uh, Looking into some stats here, you know, I mean, it's the the box score doesn't even do um, do it justice. I mean, seven six seven six for the Chiefs, three seven zero seven for the Bills. Um. You know, for whatever reason, my uh, my stats aren't loading here. However, um, you know, Mahomes didn't have a great statistical day. The defensive plan, for all intent and purpose, looked like it worked. Obviously, you don't plan on getting run through for 30-some or 300 yards. However, when you look at your game plan saying, we're going to stop Pat Mahomes, I mean, 
he did what he had to do when he had to do it, but we it looked like we had a defensive scheme that was going to put the game in his hands and we were going to stop him. So we were going to score on offense and make him, uh, you know, it almost looked like we schemed for the shootout that we didn't end up being in. Um, some of that has to do, you know, there were, Josh didn't have a great day, but again, there were four, I believe, drops in the first quarter alone. Uh, a couple uncharacteristic ones. I, I personally am tired of seeing our, def- our, our defense, our wide receivers going to make sliding catches with their hands under the ball that's at their shoulder while they're sliding. Um, you know, I think that's one of those things where if you're catching that ball and you're standing, that ball's at your waist or at your thighs, your hands are turned over with your thumbs up. But, you know, when you, as soon as you start to lower your level, you have to go back to that thumb down catch the nose of the football idea that is taught to every receiver from a young age. And it's two weeks in a row on the first drive, we've seen a receiver sliding for a football that is thrown in a good spot that an NFL receiver has to make that catch. And it hits off his, I mean, in this case, it hit Brown in the mask. You know, I I need my, I mean, he was my number one guy last year. He's my number two. I need that guy to have his hands in front of his face and catch that football for me um, and keep that drive alive. And, you know, it it wasn't such a mortal wound so early as it was on Tuesday night against the uh, against the Titans that it you know they put us behind early and put us to bed quick. This was a slow bleed. Uh, there was a point going into the fourth where if our defense makes a stop, we have a shot to tie tie the football game, and we didn't get it done. That's where I need my defense to make an adjustment. That's where I need my defense to do something when it's fourth and you know fourth and three from what was it the 12 or the 13 yard line and not only do they get the first but they score uh, that that's where I need my defense to stand up you know that's that's where that bend don't break idea comes in you know they decided to go for it I believe it was on fourth down we make that stop our offense takes over and we had just found a little bit of a stride on offense and we can maybe make things work and then it just kind of fell apart from there. untimely stupid penalties um Things like that, you know, I, I was disheartened disheartened to see Diggs walking the line and take that penalty that he took um, on the final drive. But again, the game was over, so, you know, barring, barring a miracle. And, you know, at the same token, I want my number one receiver still hustling to get back to the line, still playing to the end. You know, they, they talk all the time about how Josh Allen's that guy who's going to play to the very last tick. And, you know, to see our number one receiver kind of, lollygagging it back toward the line was disheartening. But then on the other end, going to see the, you know, at the end of the game, him, you know, slapping up everybody, you know, keeping it together, keeping their head up, keeping it going forward. Um, You know, that was good to see on the other end of that. So that's pretty much all I'm going to come at with on the Bills week six performance. Um, You know, by this time it's it's Thursday at two o'clock by the time I'm recording this. So, you know, a lot of it's been beat to a, you know, been, been beat up. And I'll cover a little bit more once I get through the week six recap. Um, The big one from uh, Sunday, in my opinion, was the Titans and the Texans going to overtime. You know, I kind of said it originally when we did the recap of the Bills-Titans game that the Titans had 16, 18 days, whatever it was, to plan, plot, scheme, and get ready for the Bills. And they beat the tar out of us. Well, the Titans on a normal week didn't have that. They actually had, you know, a day less than if they would have played on Monday night to prepare for the Texans, who, don't get me wrong, the Texans do have some talent on that team. But they are, I don't believe they're as good as the Bills. They're they're just not. Derrick Henry ran for 246 yards in that game, and Ryan Tannehill at times looked like he could do whatever he wanted. And the Texans offensively were able to get the job done and a lot of that has to do with the fact in my opinion that they only had five or you know four or five days to plan plot and scheme for the Texans and the Texans were able to exploit some things on the defense that you know while the Bills were preparing for two games two different game plans against two totally different styles of team you know they sat there and they picked out every single little you know kink in our armor I guess we'll call it 
And then, you know, when they when they don't have the time to do that, they give up 36 points to the Texans, who, again, I don't believe are a very good football team. They have a good quarterback. They have some talent, but they're not a good football team this year. So I, I think we're going to see. I'm, I'm intrigued to see what happens with the Titans this week against another team I'm about to talk about, the Steelers, who looked like world beaters against the Browns. They've done very well. The knock on them currently is that they haven't done it against anybody quote unquote good I made the mistake uh, picking the Browns last week I thought they were going to finally be what they've been talked about for a long time what people have hyped them up to be and on paper when you look at that team what they really should be and then the Browns came out and decided to be the Browns um, so watching that team put up that performance you know Baker Mayfield I don't know if he's hurt I don't know if teams just kind of have him figured out a little bit but you know, it, it seems when the Browns are successful, they're running the football and they mix in some trickery with the talent they have on offense. And it doesn't go through Baker Mayfield. Um, it goes through the backfield in Nick Chubb, now Kareem Hunt. You know, they let Odell and Landry, you know, run some trickery and throw the football to each other sometimes. And Baker's job is to just not screw that up is what it looks like to me. Um, you know, I've had the ability to kind of tune into some red zone Nonstop for the last couple of weeks of the Bills not playing on Sunday. It's been kind of fun to really see the rest of the league across the board and then be able to watch the Bills on a different day. So that was, uh, you know, that was definitely definitely an interesting outcome that, again, I didn't pick. I, I saw the Browns, you know, standing up finally and, and taking that game. And, you know, so now we have the Steelers and the Titans who I don't know if the Titans are as good as people are hyping them to be right now. I don't know if the Steelers are as good as they're hyping them to be. If I had to put my money on one, it would be the Steelers. Uh, I just think that team is just better all around put together. And they have found a new stud in Chase Claypool. And look out because that kid is going to be setting the league on fire for years. So that's... You know that's that's a recap and a look forward because I believe I'm pretty sure as I double check what's going on here. Uh, yep, Steelers Titans on Sunday, so that's a little little sneak peek at my Week Seven uh, preview. Uh, the the Ravens uh, a tighter game than they probably should have had with the Eagles, and I, I'm gonna look up some stats here again. For some reason, I can't get my computer to load the stats from last week. However, I'm going to see if I can't look that up quick. So stick with me here. Again, this is the downfall of not having a co-host this week is when I do things like this, I have to try to talk and type at the same time. So as we load up, let's take a look here. Yep. Uh... Well, those are season stats. I would like game stats. I can tell you that Lamar ran for 100 yards, um, and they were in control of the game. And then apparently the Eagles kind of came back a little bit. Let's uh, let's see if I can't find some better st statistics for you guys here. Not that you overly need them at this point, but uh, where did it go? I mean, there were nine nine games in the one o'clock time slot, so maybe I'm missing something here. Oh, that's this week. That's why I'm not seeing it. Let's go back in time. There we go. So Jackson only threw for 186 and one. Um, he ran nine times for 108 and one. Um, so, you know, they really didn't do a ton there offensively. Um, I mean, you know, there's, you got three, three, looks like three touchdowns and I have 22 points in the fourth quarter for the Eagles against a, you know, a highly touted Ravens defense. And I, I mean, some of that could very much be, you know, you're up 24 to six going into the fourth and you kind of, sit back on your heels a little bit and let, you know, let the Eagles back into it. Then all of a sudden you got to ramp back up, which they were able to do. Um, you know, that, that win could have been huge for the Eagles. It could have put them in the lead in, in the division or tied them. Actually, no, they would have been, they would have been, uh, that the tie that they have would have, would have put them ahead of the Cowboys, the lowly Cowboys. 
and you know for the battle of the toilet bowl division over there in the NFC. So that looked like that looks like a hot start for the Ravens, and then kind of a fizzle near the end where you had to stand up to the again an Eagles team that I don't think is very good. So I think we're going to chalk that one up to a a late resurgence on a defense that's kind of sitting back saying we got this in hand. Um, moving on, the uh, the Vikings had had the Falcons right where they want them. They gave them an early lead, and they just the Vikings couldn't get it done. And I uh, saw some saw some interesting uh, antics on the sidelines with Thielen kind of getting into Kirk Cousins a little bit. It's always interesting to me to see a receiver kind of jump on somebody. You know, last year they said it was Stephon Diggs, and he kind of got labeled a little bit of a diva. And when he got traded to the Bills, you know, oh, give it to week six till he's screaming at Josh Allen and wants a, you know, wants a quarterback change and everything. And now, well, it's week six and Thielen is now yelling at the Vikings quarterback and it's not going well over there in Minnesota. Um, I have been wanting to see that Vikings team put on a good show and make a deep run in the playoffs for a few years now. And every time, every year I look, it just seems to be getting worse and worse. Um, the Falcons figured some stuff out, had, you know, had had some big plays from their big players, and that's 100% what they needed. The uh, the Colts, on the other hand, were were the ones this week that put the Bengals in the we have the Falcons where we want them position. Geek spotted them, I believe, 21 points, and then came back and won a 31 to 27. Uh, good to see Old Man Rivers still doing doing the thing and doing what he's got to do. Um, you know the Lions ran all over the Jags. I am a I'm still a big Gardner Minshew fan. Uh, I don't know if that's a good situation over there. Like I said, I mean early in the year we talked and I've talked not only on this show but on the two point conversation with our network friends uh, Matt Johnson about how the Jaguars went from being a dumpster fire of locker room problems to clearing out to those locker room problems and moving on and trying to move forward in a better direction culturally to try to fix the direction of the team as a whole. Uh, I'm hoping that Gardner's still part of that. You know, I, I don't know if they're going to get one of the top two guys in the draft with how bad some of the other teams in the league are. You know, get to them in a minute. But, uh, you know, I'm hoping that Minshew is, you know, is the guy there for a bit and get some help in the next couple of years. But the, uh, the Lions, just between Peterson and Swift, the old and the new, um, just you know, pounding the rock all day, and you know made made that a pretty easy decision for the Lions. The Bears defense, the vaunted Bears defense, who is not as good as it once was, but is still damn good, made Teddy Bridgewater look bad, and the Panthers looked confused all day. Uh, that game, still a one score game, but. You know the 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 Bears just had to, you know didn't didn't have Teddy looking comfortable didn't let him settle in and get it get his groove going, which seems to be what the Bears just seem to do. Um, you know the the Bears they're far better I think than people have been giving them credit for, myself included. Um, you know that game was that game was what. 20 to 20 to six going into the fourth and you know, the Panthers ended up putting three points on or, uh, you know, 10 points on to make it, to make it a one score game. But I mean, it really, when you look at that box score, like that, that game is not close. Um, I mean, Foles had a very pedestrian day, Montgomery 58 yards on the ground. I mean, no, nothing, cr- nothing crazy from the bears, but enough. Um, you know, Bridgewater threw for two sixteen, but again, you know, Moore went had ninety three receiving yards. Not nothing, nothing insane there. Nothing over the top, and just just enough offensively to get it done. That that is an old school Bears win. That's a that's a defensively dominant game with enough on offense to get it done. That's all that is. Um, so that'll be it'll be interesting to see how that goes forward with the five and one Bears being at the top of a conversation over there. Um, Going back, the Washington football team found a way with Riverboat Ron doing Riverboat Ron stuff and just putting putting the game in the hands of God knows what he's doing with his quarterbacks and going against the Giants. Uh, had a shot to push it to overtime and give it a, give themselves a chance. Decided to go for two and didn't get it done. Uh, and what looked like just a poor one of two poor play calls 
uh, there were two teams, I believe, that went for the that went for a win in that situation. Uh, I don't really recall, but I know this was one of them because I remember them commenting on, you know, are we about to see Riverboat Ron at his best again? And we sure did. But the uh, the play call on two point conversions that I saw all last week, there are a few a few attempts at them. None of them looked very good. Um, a lot of RPO mesh looking things that just, you know, when you're when you're trying to run a solid mesh look, and two guys get through and the quarterback and running back get tackled almost together at the same time, it's just it's not a good play call. I'm sorry, it's just not. I, I don't know if the RPO is the way to go down in that situation because, you know, I believe the percentages on runs for uh, two-point conversions is so small that not many people are really biting on play fakes on them, at, at least not in that RPO shotgun or pistol look that you tend to see. But uh, Washington had an opportunity, again, to to make some headway in a division that just nobody seems to want to win. And here we go with the NFC East just eating itself you know if, if Washington wins they go to two and f- yeah they go to two and four they're tied at the top instead they lose they go to one and five and they're at the bottom uh, you know the Eagles had a shot to be in the lead with a win and they found a way you know they, they made it close but they didn't get it done um, just looking at the the streaks here the Cowboys are on a one game losing streak the Eagles on a two the Giants on a, or the Giants are on a one win one one game winning streak having beaten the the Washington football team that's lost five in a row that that division just doesn't want anything to do with each other or anybody else they that looks like the con like the tank contest and I really don't think any team any of them are really trying to tank I would love to see Washington either go back to their young their young second year quarterback in Haskins and see what he can do or give it back to Alex Smith. I was confused as to how and why you keep Alex Smith in the football game last week, or I should say week five, and then come back with Kyle Allen starting again in week six, only to you know and have you know have Alex Smith sitting on the bench when you decided when Allen got cleared to come back in the game after an injury you stuck with Alex Smith and then decided to go back to Allen the next game I just I'm not really sure what's going on there but that is the AFC or the NFC East in a nutshell uh the Broncos in a very very strange football game this game had every this game had all the makings of a late 90s early 2000s Bills Browns game in the snow um I uh, believe this one was a bunch of field goals for the Broncos and two field goals, a touchdown, and a failed two-point conversion for the Patriots for an 18-12 to final score. That game was ugly. There was not a ton going on um, for you know either team offensively, but the Broncos did enough to get the win, and the Patriots are looking like they're not even remotely the Patriots of old, currently sitting third in the AFC East and looking up at the Dolphins and the Bills. Speaking of the Dolphins, put a thumping on the Jets, and after your team wins 24-0, your third in the AFC East, or second in the AFC East at 3-3, you are the highest scoring team currently in the AFC East, and giving up the second fewest points, they're in a good spot there. All right, I mean that they're three and three. They've scored 160 points. They've given up 113. To put that in context, the Patriots have scored 109 and given up 110. The Bills have scored 156, so less four points less than the Dolphins have scored this year, and given up. 168. That is not a good differential. I don't like seeing that. And on the other end, you have the Jets, who have scored only 75 and have given up 185. But you're you know you're scoring 160. You have the best differential in the AFC East. You're scoring more and giving up less than than the other teams in your division. And you decide to make a quarterback change. I understand you drafted Tua. 
I understand that you knew that Fitz wasn't the long-term answer, but at the beginning of the season, you said Tua wasn't ready, and I'm going to give it to Fitz. I'm going to give it to the Fitz magic, let him do his thing. Here he is. He did his thing. And now you come out and you bench him for Tua, who threw two passes, a two-yard check down, and an, what, uh, it was like an eight-yard, seven-yard pass for a, for a first down, and that was it. And I'll be honest with you, I, I, a lot of people talk about Tua having a rocket arm and a big league arm. He looked like he moved okay in the pocket, but, I mean, those balls looked like change-ups. Those balls looked like if you're playing anybody but the Jets, both of those have a legit Nathan Peterman-style shot at being pick-six city. And I'll be honest with you, I'm kind of hoping that's the case. And, you know, I I feel bad for Fitz. I hope he goes somewhere next year and just lights it up. And I hope they play the Dolphins. And I hope he lights the Dolphins up for doing this to him because he did not deserve that. And Fitz Magic, baby, I am am mad for you on that one. Um, After the the year you've put in and, you know, what you've done so far, uh, you deserve better. And I feel bad for you. And anybody saying, you know, yes, in the game he was happy for Tua. You know, he was happy that Tua got in and completed his first two passes, you know, and he's, you know, a rookie and went out and did it for the first time. But you're never going to tell me that this dude got the news that he was, demo- that he would, you know, he, he lost his job. He got fired, essentially, and I'll, I'll get to that in a second. He got fired as the starter. He got benched, and he's going to be happy for Tua. No, he's mad. He's miserable. He's heartbroken. He, he said, and I quote, I felt this was my team this year, and then I got fired and then my day today, being Monday, was spent or Tuesday. It was Monday or Tuesday, one of the two. Whenever they announced it, you know, my you know the next day, my day today was spent on Zoom calls with the guy who fired me while sitting in a room with the guy he hired in my place. And you know, you're sitting there and you just have the you, you, you have to you have to feel for this guy. He's been just living it up, having fun, and playing like a playing like a man child, like the man child that he is. And then he loses his job. For really, I, I mean, so you want to give Tua two weeks of prep coming out of the, coming out of the bye for a game, and you want to name him the starter now, give him the first team reps. What happens if he blows it? What happens if he's terrible? What happens if he's not ready like you said he was at the end of the year or at the beginning of the season? You you're risking losing your locker room. You know th- this is not starting Peterman over Tyrod in 2017 for the Bills when they you know the 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 infamous five pick game. This was not a light a fire up under a guy's ass type move. This is a, eh, we'll give this a shot. And I don't agree with that. And that's all I got to say about that. Uh, moving forward with, you know, the rest of Sunday's games and into Monday, the Bucks more than handled the Packers. The um, the Packers just looked out of sync and out of, out of whack. And I, you know, the Bucks looked like the Bucks We thought they'd look like the Packers looked like the Browns, and it was not terrific. Um, you know, an uncharacteristic pick six from the somewhat self-alleged goat. Uh, Taylor, if Taylor listens to this, he's going to kill me for calling him the goat because he's really not. But, I mean, he he went out and looked like, you know, Aaron Rodgers on a down year, not the Aaron Rodgers of this year. And, you know, the Bucks very easily handled the Packers and moved on for a W there. The... Uh, the Niners knocking off the Rams, I think, was a little bit of a shock. That offense is, does pretty well, and the Rams' defense is, is pretty impressive, especially after you talk about the Niners getting absolutely thumped by Miami the week before, uh, or two weeks before, whatever it was. But, I mean, the Rams coming out and just getting you know, getting beat by the Niners, again, and that's the parody of the NFL, and we all know that, but... Yeah, I think that's a little bit surprising after the way the Niners came out in a you know couple weeks past. We already covered the Chiefs and Bills game, and so then we are going to move to the Cardinals Cowboys. I was really hoping for something better out of Andy Dalton there. Um, again, I, I don't wholeheartedly blame Andy Dalton here. This is you know two fumbles by Zeke, who's very, in my opinion, very quickly going to be moving toward losing a significant amount of snaps to Tony Pollard if he keeps putting the football on the turf because he has done that a lot this year. Um, you know, we, we've just seen, in my opinion, just too much of that from him, uh, more than you would ever like to see from your star running back that, uh, has been, you know, all the talk, all the rage and just got paid, 
um, you know, and is, is the guy that's going out there and putting feed me on his stomach in tattoo form. And, uh, you know, you, you just want, you just want better from him. Uh, you know, and he's, he's the guy that's going to be, uh, he's going to be the guy that, you know, if, if this offense is going to go, he's got to be the one that it goes through. You know, you have a backup quarterback in and, you know, he's just, he's that guy that you just need, you need more from. Uh, he has five fumbles on the year so far this year, and he has lost four of them. So, you know, he, he's that guy, he, he can't be putting the ball on the turf when you got your backup, your, your backup quarterback in and Dalton's no slouch. Dalton is better, is probably one of the best options at backup quarterback, aside from maybe Fitz, Fitzpatrick now in, in Miami that you could have in this league. So, you can't be putting the ball on the ground. There were, you know, end end of the first half. There was a huge drop in the end zone by Gallup on what would have been a touchdown that changes the complexion of this game. You know, it was twenty-one to three at half. It could have been twenty-one to ten. You know, it's that changes the outlook of the game. It changes how you go into the into the locker room, and it changes how you come out of the locker room. So it's it's just tough. It's just it. You know, you need you need better from. You know, from guys like Zeke and Gallup, who Gallup was highly touted as one of the best number two guys in the league this year. And now, yes, he has fallen behind the likes of CeeDee Lamb in that realm, but you still need to make that catch. It was uncontested. You need to make that grab in the end zone if the Cowboys want to have any shot. Although, I'll be honest with you, I don't see a way that, you know, in that division, I don't see the Cowboys not making the playoffs as the possibly game or two below 500 NFC East champions. And by then you might be talking about the Andy Dalton led Cowboys having figured something out, getting some rhythm down and maybe pulling what would be considered a division champion hosting a home game as the underdog and winning circa the Seahawks back when the, uh, the Marshawn Lynch run heard around the world happened. So that's about the end of your uh, your week six recap here. And we are moving right along to week seven, which starts tonight. I say it that way because uh, if you've noticed and you follow us on social media, we have not put the, the picks out yet for this week. Um, the Giants-Eagles game tonight on Thursday Night Football is going to be ugly I've said that before. I've said it where, you know, you're going to see the two bottom feeder teams just slug it out to be bottom feeder teams. And it's turned out to be a decent, at least entertaining game as far as scoring and highlights goes. I don't even know if this, if this has that capability. Um, I can tell you that, you know, the Eagles got a, a young receiver, um, fall, fall cam or fall, fulgrim, fulgrim, I believe. Um, let me see if I can pull that pull that guy up here. I just picked him up at fantasy, so I moved over a little bit. Fulgham, Fulgham, F-U-L-G, Ham, who has been doing pretty well for them. Um, and I mean, but you know they're they're so depleted with injuries, and then the Giants are depleted with injuries. Everybody's just. You know that it, again. It's just going to be a war of attrition of whose team can stay on the field. I just don't think it's going to be very entertaining. Although I do believe it will have more views and a higher rating than the third third quote unquote third presidential debate. Because I mean, I don't know about you, but I would rather watch the bottom feeder NFC East showdown than watch the absolute morons we have running for office just bark at each other and make snide comments and remarks. Although I did hear rumor of a mute button today in that one. So that would be fun. Um, and that'll be another, another bitching point for people. And, uh, maybe we'll see if we can, uh, one of these days we'll get a a four man show going for this and we will do, I'll do a mute button where I can just turn other people's microphones off if they're making ignorant commentary. Although none of our commentary seems to be overtly ignorant claims the guy who put out, two very bold claims that both came true by week six. One, I put week six on, and the other one I put on the end of the season. Oh, look, Andy Dalton is starting in Dallas, and Kareem Hunt is the load-bearing running back in Cleveland. Anyway, I digress. 
Uh, Panther Saints, the the shadow of what used to be Drew Brees and All Pro, taking on Teddy Bridgewater, who's looking for a bounce back game. I think this will be a decent game, but I think you're going to see the Panthers Panthers have exactly that that bounce back game. Uh, they should be on the verge in a, in a week or two here of getting Christian McCaffrey back and being, I believe, at three and three. They are, yep, they are three and three and a half game back of the Saints. This could go a long way in, you know, pushing toward hanging with the Bucks this season, who look to be at least currently the favorite with, uh, you know, they, they figured out a running game despite Leonard Fournette being out with, uh, who's that, Jones, I believe, is their backup. And, um, you know, I could be wrong, so I'm going to look that up. And, and that would be... 100% that would be my name screw-up of the year or of the episode because I do it once an episode. And, uh, <clears throat> the, you know, Ronald Jones. There we go. Joan, Ronald Jones the second. Um, yeah, so, I mean, they, they figured out a little bit of a running game with him and uh, that has taken some of the load off Tom Brady, who is still not the Tom Brady of old. Part of it is because Tom Brady is a system quarterback. Part of it is because he's 57 years old. Like 42, but still, um, you know, I, I think this game with the Panthers Saints is going to go a long way for the Panthers making a push toward the top of that division and making a play of saying, hey, maybe we can be in the conversation with the Buccaneers. Uh, the Saints have not been playing well defensively. Their secondary has been getting chunk play left and right. They, you know, they've given up chunks of yards here and there everywhere. So we'll see. Um, I think the Browns have their bounce back game against the Bengals, although I would love to see the Bengals come out and win a shootout with them. Uh, I just, the Bengals defense is not good enough for, um, to stop the Browns and the Bengals offensive line is not good enough to stop the Browns front seven. So I don't think this one's close. I think the Browns get that, that bounce back game that they're looking for. The Cowboy, another eight, uh, the, the NFC East is just going to eat itself this week. Um, Cowboys taking on Washington, I, again, I mean, the, we we could end up seeing two games. I, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe we get a six six tie twice in the NFCs this week. I don't even know who to pick. Uh, I don't know who who takes this one. I think you have to, on talent alone and what you see on paper, you have to give it to Dalton and the Cowboys. And I hope this is a a big week for Dalton. Um, you know, coming in and getting a second start here and you know moving forward. The you know. Packers looking for a little bit of you know looking for a revenge game. The Texans again. I don't think the Texans are very good. I think the Packers take this one. I, I don't want to say easy, but I think it's you know one of those thirty-eight to sixteen type games. Um, I think the Pack, Packers get up solid, put up solid points, and I think the Texans. You know, for you fantasy guys out there, I think you're going to see some scum points out of that because they're going to be down late and throwing the football a lot. Uh, I, but I don't see the Texans taking this game. The Lions-Falcons game is going to be potentially very lucrative for all fantasy owners involved because, you know, I would love to see the Matt Stafford style of play of old of the start of 2019 when he was lighting the world on fire before he got hurt. And I would love to see him come out and say, you know, I'm going to throw for 505 touchdowns, two of which are going to be to be to uh, rookie running back DeAndre Swift because I'm a huge fan of him. And I'm as much as I love seeing Adrian Peterson rumble in the powder blue and silver. I was very upset when they signed him because it devalued Swift, who again I took in, I believe, all three of my fantasy leagues. However, I this could be a fun shootout or it's going to be an ugly football game. It could be an ugly shootout. I guess we'll find out on Sunday. But uh, I, I think the Lions are the better team here, and I think they take that one. The Steelers-Titans matchup is going to be a heavyweight competition between two teams that play good defense. Uh, a, you know... I think you're going to try to. They're going to. You're going to see a heavy dose of Derrick Henry trying to come off, you know, and come close to repeating his almost 300 yard performance from last week. The Steelers, behind the resurgence of Big Ben and that high powered offense, are going to find a way to get all their weapons involved. And that Steelers defensive front, the Steel Curtain of 2020, is going to put the Ryan Tannehill elite quarterback conversation to the test because if anybody can get after him and disrupt his his rhythm back there it's going to be that Steelers defense who likes to get after the quarterback and made Baker Mayfield look like Johnny Menzel last week so 
that should be a fun one to watch. And uh, you can get my pick for that one on our picks, which will be put out probably Saturday afternoon once I get everything set up and created for that. The Seahawks Cardinals game is going to be another really fun one. Um, you know, the Cardinals are clicking. They just had a really good game against the Cowboys. They got a lot of good stuff going on. That offense seems to find ways to win every week, be it, you know, by throwing the ball around the yard, by Murray looking like a stud with his feet and his arm, or with Kenyon Drake from time to time, you know, especially after getting called out by Mama, because sometimes Mama's got to call you out. Kenyon Drake looked pretty good last week. That, you know, the, the Seahawks, there's rumor that they're looking at bringing Antonio Brown in after week eight when allegedly his suspension would be up, which is interesting because I was not aware that his suspension could be, I, th- I thought he had to be on a roster to serve the suspension. Apparently that is not the case. Um, but the Seahawks are looking to bring him into an already potent offense with a Russell Wilson playing at a very high MVP caliber of or MVP style of, of play. MVP caliber season he's having is all the words that I was trying to mix in there. I apologize. Rambling for 40 minutes on your own is not the easiest thing on the planet. So that could be a fun one. I think the Seahawks take it, um, you know, but I hope the Cardinals spread the ball around again for fantasy purposes, because again, I would like to see a big game out of DeAndre Hopkins, who is currently listed as questionable, which will have a large impact on that game as well. And let's see what yeah, his ankle was held out of practice, um, held out of double ankle injury ahead of week four and five, suited up for both contests, had a pretty good showing across the two. So um, he's obviously, I would assume, going to play. But, uh, you know, you, you like to get a little bit better news out of him. If he is not on the field, that is definitely going to be tilting this, uh, this game more in the Seahawks' favor. I would like to say the Chiefs are going to, you know, continue their winning ways against the Broncos, but when you start talking about divisional matchups, it's never easy to pick one. It's never easy to say one team or the other. Again, the, the Raiders looked okay against the Bills. They beat the Chiefs. Let's see what the Broncos have in store for the Chiefs, you know, if they can, you know, knock them down to 5 and 2 and keep themselves in conversation of the AFC West, which looks to have a pretty bright future of the way the Raiders and the Chiefs are playing. The Chargers have been doing some good things. Despite that 1-4 and four record, they could very easily be 3-2 and two or 4-1 and one and right in the mix and the thick of all these guys as well. So this should be an interesting matchup because divisional opponents always play each other tight. The Chargers get a chance to go and get win number two to go to 2-4. Two and four. And should the Broncos fall to the Chiefs, tie for third in the division, when they take on the Jaguars, who, again, sometimes it's feast or famine. Sometimes the Jaguars look like they have some things figured out and some good pieces in place. Other times they couldn't catch a cold. So I think you see Herbert get his get get the W here and lead the Chargers to a win over the Jags. Uh, the Niners-Patriots game, again, is going to be interesting in sorting out the AFC East and who the Niners are with their litany of injuries. Uh, I would like to see the Niners take that one because I always love watching the Patriots lose. So we're going to go with that and that alone. Um, I did all, although I did hear that there's a chance that Mr. Mostert is banged up again and may not be playing. So it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. Uh, we're going to get to see the Buccaneers test of the Raiders. The Raiders again having knocked off the Chief, the Chiefs uh, two weeks ago, and. I don't believe I talked about them from last week because I'm pretty sure they had a week six bye, and it looks like they did. So they have had some time to prepare for the Buccaneers offense, which is banged up. Uh, Godwin is questionable. Evans is questionable. I don't know if Fournette is back yet. So that could be a very interesting game. And that running game from the Raiders is always a fun one to watch. And then we go to the Bears-Rams game on Monday night. The only Monday night game this week. The only game not on Sunday or Thursday this week. No more, hopefully, knock on wood, hopefully no more uh, weird random midweek games for a while. And we're going to see the Bears take on the Rams. You could very, very easily see the Bears go to 6-1 and one here. Um, the... Rams are they're no slouch. They're at four and two. Um, they are scoring points. They are not giving up a lot of points. But 
I mean, these teams look fairly evenly matched. I, I don't know if Nick Foles is the guy. I don't know if that offense can score a ton. That Rams defense, again, is no slouch. The Rams offense is no slouch, but that Bears defense, again, is very, very stout. So that will be a very interesting Monday night game. Again, I'm not going to give you my pick for it because we're going to have to wait and see until the picks get put out on Saturday when I get the graphic worked up and ready to rock. That leaves one game I have not touched on, which I'm going to wrap up with the Bills and the Jets. And I'm going to leave you with this. This is a revenge game for the Bills. This is this is not going to be your trap game. This is going to be a we need to right the ship and we need to put our foot on their throat early and not let up. This game needs to be, it doesn't need to be what the... Dolphins did last week at 24 nothing. This needs to be 38 to 3. Like this need the Bills need to be pushing 40 points in this game against this lowly Jets defense. They need to figure out how to put points on and run away with this football game early and off. They need to score early, they need to score often. They need to bury this Jets team. Drop them to 0 and 6, what is it, 0 and 6, 0 and 7. Keep them on track for the uh the, the sweepstakes for the first overall pick and hopefully having a quarterback say, I don't want to play for you, which would be awesome. The Bills need to make a statement this week and get back on track to where they go or to where, you know, to where they're going and especially to get their footing right to go and play the Patriots the following week. So I think you see the Bills win. I think you see the Bills win big. I think you see a statement game both offensively and defensively. And I think if you don't see that, you are going to start seeing a very different side of Sean McDermott. Now, the last few minutes here, I'm going to cover something. There has been a lot of talk about the issues that the Bills have, the you know the different things that we can, should, should not do. Um, and you know, I've seen a lot of things about trades. I've seen a lot of things about you know going out and finding free agents potentially. Yeah, bringing back Lorenzo Alexander, which I'm not, I'm still not ruling out. He has said he has not ruled it out. He has said him and, you know, before the season, he told McDermott he is staying in shape and staying ready if they need him. Uh, But the phone call of needing him has not yet happened. I believe the Bills would try to potentially fill any holes or needs in-house or, you know, in free agency first before bringing somebody out of retirement. That being said, um... You know, people are talking about a. There is rumor of the Ravens put it, bringing Des Bryant out for a workout and putting him on their practice squad. There is rumor of Antonio Brown again going to the Seahawks, and the not rumor the the confirmed move of the Ravens going out and getting Yannick Ngakwe um, via trade for I believe a third and a conditional fifth was the talk of the town. As of today, <clears throat> and as I said, I put it out on Twitter earlier. The Bills Mafia needs to realize that going the 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 Bills are not the team. They are not the front office that's just going to get a guy. They're just not. Um, they're not the team that's going to go out and just sign a talented player or trade for a talented player solely because he is a talented player. He has to be not just a guy. He's got to be the right guy. So. If you're looking for someone we're going to make a play for, you better go find a hardworking, blue-collar, character, culture guy who's going to fit into what we're doing, not a guy who is throwing hands in the locker room after a frustrating loss or a guy that has had other locker room issues to the point that when, again, the Jacksonville Jaguars were unloading talented players to try to right their ship, and he was one of those guys. I don't see the Bills making a play for a guy like that because that's not the team and the front office that we have. So start if you're looking for guys that you say we should target in a trade, start looking for the right guys, not just big name guys. And you know, again, it, that Baltimore team, the rich gets richer. The Chiefs getting Bell, the rich get richer. But Again, these are, you know, Bell was not a great locker room guy. You know, McDermott came out and said, you know, we explore all avenues. Yes, because you would be stupid not to do your due diligence on somebody. But when you look at a guy like Bell, oh, he had some locker room issues. He sat out. He has been an issue in New York because he didn't like the coach, didn't like playing time, didn't like all this other stuff. 
you know, do you want to bring, you want to bring that guy in and potentially ruin all of a sudden, you know, he's not getting, you know, he's sharing time with two rook, you know, a second year player and a rookie. And all of a sudden he's causing problems too. No. Do I think in Gakwe or in Goku, whatever, however you say his last name, do you, you know, do you think he's gonna just, if the bills are putting, are giving up big points, and the defense, the defensive ship doesn't write itself all that well this year. Do you think he's going to keep quiet and be just a good, hardworking locker room guy? He hasn't done it yet. I don't know if he's going to do it now. So, yeah, yeah, it's you know, it, it sucks to see a good a good player go to a good AFC team. But again, we're building for long term success, not a team that could potentially implode in a year or two with all the issues, egos, and attitudes. That is not what the Bills front office is looking to build or do. So that's all I got to say about that. Statement game from the Bills. Beat down on the Jets and move on to the Patriots. Don't look up. Don't look past the Jets. Bury the Jets and then move on to the Patriots. My last bit here, we are in the midst of the World Series. We haven't talked a ton about other sports because, well, quite frankly, everything's been so crammed together. It's been tough to keep up on things. Series is currently 1-1. I called a six-game series with the Rays pulling the upset and winning the World Series against the Dodgers, which if you follow any baseball at all, you understand that the Dod- Mookie Betts and the Dodgers are basically the the Yankees of the National League. I would love to see the Rays, not only for a couple of reasons, I would love to see the Rays being the underdog, putting a team together of how many different pitchers that throw from how many different arm slots. There was a cool graphic that was put up the other day and it was, you know, I think they had eight or nine arms on it and they were all from different arm slots and, you know, different velocities and nobody, none of them look the same. You can't get a beat on anybody because the only time you get to see him is when he's pitching. And I would love to see that team beat the Dodgers because I love parody. I love not seeing the teams that are supposed to win, win anytime the Patriots lose. I'm in because the Patriots are supposed to win. Uh, this is kind of the same. The Dodgers are supposed to win this series. The Dodgers are very much supposed to win this series. Considering their top two players cover the payroll of the entire Rays team, the Dodgers are supposed to win this series. I would love to see the Rays pull it out and move on to next year to a hopefully full year of Major League Baseball. Uh, so I am calling the Rays in six, and hopefully I am right if my buddy Eric listens to this he's going to kill me because he's a huge Dodgers fan but like I said I would love to see the Rays take this in six and you know move on to bigger and better things moving forward that is all I have for you guys hopefully when we are back next week it's not just me pontificating for 52 minutes and 30 some seconds that I have a partner a co-host or two we'll see what we can do thanks for tuning in guys This has been Hats, Tats, and Stats. I'm EZD, and I am out.